queue up and, and ready for that. There's so much for which to give thanks. We, we've been giving thanks during our Thanksgiving season. Uh, this morning, we're going to read the entire book of Second John. Uh, and I, I, I told Cheryl, who was filling in for Ann this week, I said, Cheryl, I'm starting a new thing. I'm going to do whole books at a time. And we're going to start with Second John. Now, now, the good news is 2 John is only 13 verses, the smallest book in the New Testament. Uh, this is a letter that John writes, and this letter fits on one piece of papyrus, which is why it is so short, and also perhaps why it's not so detailed as some of the other writings of John. So look with, with me, if you would, Second John, to the elder, I'm sorry, the elder, that's not to the elder, it's the elder, to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and, and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have heard from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to His commands. As you have heard from the beginning, His command is that you walk in love. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. I have much to write you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your chosen sister send their greetings. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. Almighty God, thank you for your incredible love that didn't just come in a book or in a letter, but came in the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus and for his love. Teach us to love. Teach us to be people like Jesus. We ask this morning, Lord, that as we open your word, you would speak to us, that we would hear your voice, and that we would respond to you. Help us to open up our hearts and our lives. Lord, touch those places that have been hidden away. And make us more like you. We thank you for all your blessings. We thank you for a beautiful day. We thank you for brothers and sisters who have gathered to worship you. We thank you for the power of your word alive in us. Lord, thank you for this opportunity you've given me. 
And I ask that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy except by your incredible grace. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray in your precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We've been working through our season of thanksgiving, and uh, we, we've been giving thanks for each other, and I hope that uh, you've been spending time thinking about uh, people for whom you would want to give thanks to God. Uh, for instance, the first week we talked about people who are people of faith, and we wanted to thank God for people we know who have strong faith, uh, people who we have known who have strong faith, and people we know now who have strong faith, and uh, giving thanks to God for that. We've also, uh, last week, we talked about giving thanks for people of grace, and I encourage you to think of women of grace. I I, I, second service, I, I pointed out poor J- Grace Jaworski. <laughs> there, there's a person of grace for you. Uh, actually, she is a person of grace, a neat lady. I, I, if you don't know Grace, uh, uh, stick around for second service and introduce yourself. A wonderful, wonderful lady of, of love and grace. Um, this morning, we want to talk about people of love. Now, I hope you enjoyed uh, our, uh, our countdown timer. That actually was recorded in Kalamazoo, my hometown. Town. I, I found it on YouTube. It wasn't anything I had anything to do with. Uh, and those, those people there, I thought, gave some interesting answers as to what they think love is. Uh, love is deep. Love is confusing. Love is overrated. Love is... I'm thinking, okay, I've heard all these things before. This morning, we want to think about what love is. Now, when uh, Mark on, on Thursday night at Praise Team, Mark said, hey, uh, I bet you we're in 1 Corinthians 13, which is what the last lady on the, on the countdown timer shared with us. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what love is. It's descriptive. This morning, I want us to look at what love is, not descriptive-wise, but proscriptive-wise. In other words, as John begins to write his letter, um, he's not thinking about describing love. He's talking about acting upon love. You with me? Don't fall asleep yet. We've just started. (laughs) Okay, he's not describing love. He's talking about um, how to put love into your life, how to connect to love. So, so this morning we're going to look at John's letter, second letter. Now, John wrote three letters, and his first letter is clearly written to the church. Now, I, I say letter. Uh, if you read it, there's it's missing all the letter stuff. You know, when you write a letter, you say dear so and so, and when you get done, you say sincerely. That's how we write a letter. In in first century uh, uh, Palestine, uh, what you wrote was you wrote who was writing and then to whom at the very beginning. So everybody knew. That's missing in 1 John, but clearly written by John, and and John is sharing his understanding to the churches. Now, 3 John, skipping 2 John, 3 John is clearly a letter written. It's a personal letter. It's it's clearly stated it's written to Gaius, one of John's friends and a, a true friend. And so that's a personal letter, which is interesting that a personal letter is found in the scriptures. Now, uh, for those of you who write letters, uh, which doesn't happen very much anymore, uh, 
but maybe email, which doesn't happen very much anymore, uh, or a text or a tweet, my guess is those things probably wouldn't find their way into some sacred writings. Uh, But John has shared some very deep things with his best friend, or not, maybe not his best friend, but a very good friend. And those things have appeared in Scripture to help us to see how an individual can connect um, with uh, the ideas that John is presenting, the ideas in particular of love. In between those is Second John. Now, Second John is an interesting letter uh, because I believe it's a personal letter to a church. It's a pers- I believe it's a personal letter to a church. It starts out in the way all letters start out in Palestine, to or from, <laughs> from the elder, okay, and, and that's John, the elder, the leader of the church, okay, to the chosen lady and her children. Did you see that? The chosen lady. Well, why didn't he say a name? If it was a person, why didn't he say, to Sarah, the chosen lady, or to uh, Brenda, the chosen lady? Uh, He just says the chosen lady. I believe what he's doing is he's trying to get the church to see their connection. Now, you may remember that in in John's other writings and in Jesus' speaking, sometimes he talks about the church as the bride of Christ. Okay, you see the connection? The chosen lady, the bride of Christ. So John is writing to the church and her children. Of course, the children are the members of the church, the people within the church. Okay, and we see also at the end of the letter, he says, your sister and her children send their greeting. The chosen sister, same, same phrase, chosen sister. We talk all the time about our fellow churches as what kind of churches? Sister churches. Right? Why is that? Because the church has been seen in the, in the feminine okay, as the bride of Christ, as that, that, that chosen one by Christ. So here, John is writing to the church, and I believe he has a specific church in mind, and it's a church that he has had a connection with in the past, hence he's the church leader writing to the church and the church's children, not just the church in general, but the people within the church. And he wants to also send greetings from the other church that I believe he was probably currently working with. You with me? Why is that important? So as you read this, read John writing to Greenfield Baptist Church and to its members. So just put your name in. So he's writing to Greenfield Baptist Church and Dave Waldo. Okay, now don't put Dave Waldo in. Put your name in. Okay. And he's being very specific what he wants you to do. And and I believe what he wants you to do, above all else, is to be people of love. And this morning we want to give thanks to God for people of love. And every week I've been asking you during our Thanksgiving season to stop and think of a person you know who fits this description. So this morning you're trying to think of a person of love, okay? So up in the balcony, I I know your, your minds are thinking already. 
and you're saying, okay, who do I know? If I want to talk about a person of love, this is who I'm, I'm thinking of, okay? And, and, and you on the main floor can do that also. You're thinking of a person of love. What's it mean to be people of love? Well, John in his letter begins to open that up for us, and he uses an interesting phrase. He talks about walking in the truth. Walking in the truth. A person of love walks in the truth. Now, what does that mean, walking in the truth? Well, first of all, you have to understand what truth is to understand that you're walking in the truth, right? If I'm going to walk in the truth, I have to know what the truth is. And our world today seems to be a little confused about what the truth is, which I believe is why the people in our video said that love is confusing. They don't know love because they don't know the truth. When I candidated or when I interviewed for Greenfield Baptist Church, Ted McQueenie asked me the question, do you believe in absolute truth? And I told, I've told you this before, I know, but my answer was, absolutely. If, if you don't have truth, if you don't know the truth, then you don't understand what the rest of the world is really all about. And our world today tries to get you to think that you can have your own truth. There's a problem with that. So if I decide when, I, when I'm crossing the street that that bus isn't real, when that bus hits me, I'm going to learn that it's the truth, that my truth wasn't real. You with me? There is a truth. Now, here, here's the problem. You see, when, when we were created, we were put on this planet in a garden, and in the garden, God put two trees. You remember that? The tree of life and the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, you can't eat from the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And the deceiver came along and said, you want to eat from the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil because then you'll be like God. You can make your own decisions about what is good and what is bad. Wouldn't you like to decide for yourself what is true and what isn't true? And Adam and Eve said, yeah, that sounds good to us. And they took of that fruit. And when they took of that fruit, then they began to decide what is true for them. The problem is, what is true for us isn't always true in God's eyes. The truth really comes from God. You want to know the truth, get to know God, and in particular, get to know Jesus Christ, because this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. He is the way, and He is the life. So if you really want to know the truth, you really have to get to know Jesus, and I want you to look at this passage very closely. John wrote this one too, so stick with us. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, how do you know if he's the way? Some of you have GPS units or a phone that has a GPS on it. And you punch in the address you're headed, to, to which you are headed, and you, you then follow that. How do you know if that's showing you the way? 
<laughs> yeah, sometimes it doesn't get you where you think you are going, then it's not the way. But if it gets you where you wanted to go, then it is the way, correct? But you have to follow it to find out. You have to follow it. If you want to know if Jesus is the truth, start to follow Jesus. And you'll begin to discover that what Jesus says is true over and over and over again. Not only what he says is true, but what he does is true. And the truth of the matter is, when Jesus came to this world, he came to show us what love really is. The truth about love. And the truth about love is that love is self-sacrificing. And that's the problem. The problem isn't that love is deep or that love is confusing or that love is overrated. The problem is love calls us to be self-sacrificing, to give up our own way and to be willing to give of ourselves to someone else, in particular to Jesus Christ. And therein lies the rub. The only way to know love is to give of yourself. Now, the world understands this to a certain extent because uh, most people, when they get married, that's their intent. The problem is when they get married, they discover that they really have to do that. That's the problem, right? If, if If I'm really going to stay married, I really have to give up myself. Now, Now, there's a problem. It's okay to say it. And it's okay to stand in front of everybody else and say, yeah, I will love, honor, and cherish till death do us part. All those are good words. Sound great. And everybody claps. And oh, isn't that wonderful? Look, they're all married. And oh, gee. And then they go home. <laughs> and they find out that they married a different person. And all of a sudden they discover that if they're going to really love this person, they're going to have to give up some things. A lot of things. The more you have, the more you'll give you, you with me? Listen, listen very carefully. Jesus showed us that. Look what Jesus did. Jesus came to this earth and he continually gave up himself for others. As a matter of fact, he ultimately died on the cross, gave up himself, showed his love for this world. You've read it a hundred times. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We sang it. He gave his life so that we could have life. He was willing to get, that's what you do when you love somebody. That's what love's all about. You can't just say the words. You have to do it. You have to live it. I I saw a video on Facebook. I really wanted to use it this morning, but I couldn't find it again. You know how you see those things on Facebook? You watch it, then you go back to find them. You can't find it. Uh, and this, this was a great one. It was a, a daughter who, refu- who had not cleaned her room. And her father comes out, and he says, you haven't cleaned your room. She said, I love you, Daddy. Well, he said, that's fine. You love me, but I asked you to clean your room, and you haven't cleaned your room. She said, well, you know, I've been thinking about that. And she says, uh, as a matter of fact, I thought so much about it, I thought I'd write a book about it. So I started writing a book on how to clean your room. And she said it like, aren't you proud of me? And he said, 
well, that's nice, but your room still hasn't been cleaned. She said, I know, but I've got it down. I know how to do it now. As a matter of fact, she said, I called some friends, and we get, we're going to get together and celebrate what it would be like to have a clean room. <laughs> you know, and she, the whole time she's like, aren't you proud of me, Daddy? <laughs> and he's like, but, but you haven't cleaned your room. And finally he just shakes his head and walks off, and she puts the, you know, you know how kids do, they put the headphones in or earbuds in, and she, you know, cut your off. <laughs> And then it, it, it reminded me of, and that's what it was about, right? Isn't that what we do with God all the time? Oh, yeah, God, this is what you want me to do. I know what you want me to do. The Bible, the Bible tells me what you want me to do. And I love you very much. And I've read it, and I've read it, and read it. As a matter of fact, I could write a book on how to do it. You fill in the blank. What is it that you really don't want to do that Jesus is calling you to do? Or maybe this morning it's simply opening your life to Jesus Christ and saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. And you have a hundred excuses why you're not going to do that. But I love God. I think God's a neat thing. Jesus said this, anyone who loves me will what? Obey my teaching. That's what love is all about, right? If you really love someone, you respond to them. If you really love God, if you really love Jesus, then respond to Him. No more excuses. Do it. You can talk about love all you want. You can describe love. But until you really offer your life to Jesus, you really don't love Him. Until you... Until you stop making excuses and start doing what he asks, you really don't love him. A person of love is self-sacrificing, willing to give, in particular when it comes to Jesus, whatever he asks them to do. They're going to go. They're going to do. They're walking in the truth. What Jesus says they're doing. They're walking. Notice, by the way, they're walking, right? They're not standing still. They're doing it. The second thing a person of love does is they love other people. People of love love one another. It's a great thing. The Apostle Paul said, or the Apostle Paul, I'm so confused this morning. John says, uh, usually when I'm talking about a letter, it's the Apostle Paul. But John says this. He says, this is nothing new. And folks, you need to understand that from John, this is nothing new at all. As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of John, John twice mentions Jesus saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to love one another. And then when you get to the the letter of 1 John, five times he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to love one another. And here in 2 John, we hear it again. This is nothing new, he says. Love one another. A person of love loves other people. You with me? A, people, a person of love, a person who really loves God, loves other people, because that's what Jesus calls us to do, is to love one another. Now, Peter tells us in his letter, he says, this is how you should love one another. Love one another deeply from the heart. In other words, it's not this superficial kind of love, 
like, you know, I love, I was going to say I love ice cream, but that might be a little deeper than what I'm thinking. I love the sunny days, or I love the rainy nights, if you're someone else. Uh, I, 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 I love this, I love that. No, we're talking about a deep-seated love. The Apostle Paul talked about it like this. He said, when you are a part of the body of Christ, you are a body. And when one part suffers, the other part suffers. And when one part rejoices, the other part rejoices. That's why, folks, on Sunday morning we get together and we share our concerns and our joys, not just to gossip to find out what's going on in people's lives, but to lift them up to, to be connected because we're connected in the body of Christ. Now, about four months ago, my left toe swelled up and it hurt altogether. Thank you. See? See how well this works? You, you get it already. And, and, and so because my left toe hurt, I began to walk funny. And next thing I know, my right leg hurts. Now, my right leg is not connected to my left toe, at least not directly. But because one part suffers, the other part suffers. You with me? If you really love other people, when they suffer, you suffer. When they celebrate, you celebrate. We lifted up the people of, of Paris today, and, and we, we, our hearts are broken for them. If we are truly a people of love, if we are a people of, hey, I care about you some, then, well, oh, sorry for your luck. Now, now, this becomes tricky at church because we come together and we have our, our masks on and we're trying to look holy and righteous. And if we're holy and righteous, then everything in our lives must be wonderful, right? And, and Yeah, right, Kenny, thank you. And the truth of the matter is that's never the case. Um, we, we all have struggles. We all have joys. And so when we see each other in the hall or in the narthex, how are you today? Well, I'm fine. Really? Yeah. Uh, things in life are wonderful. Just ask me. But the truth of the matter is, um, my guess is there are things that happened this week that were very difficult for you. And for whatever reason, you weren't willing to share them in that moment. You know why? Because you don't know if they really love you, do, they, do you? But if it's a person of love in your life and they say to you, how are you? What do you say? You say, how you are. You lay it right out there. So when you think of a person of love, it's a person who truly loves other people. You know people like that, don't you? I hope you do. If not, at least you should know Jesus who cares about you. One of the most incredible scriptures in, in all of scriptures is that one verse that's all of two words. And we, we laugh about it, or I, as a kid we used to joke about it because we, you know, if it's Bible memory time, if we're trying to memorize verses, this is the one everybody wanted. Does anybody remember what it is? Where is it? John 11.35, and it is, all together now, Jesus wept. Yes! Two words. 
Two powerful words. Do you understand that Jesus had gone to Lazarus' funeral? And Jesus knew that he was going to bring Lazarus back from the dead. He knew that. He told his disciples that when he left. And when he gets there, despite that, because those he loved were hurting, he cries. Do you understand that? When you hurt, Jesus hurts. Do you understand that? That's how much he loves you, even if you don't recognize who he is. He still loves you that much. A person of love is a person who loves others. And then finally, a person of love is a person, this is interesting, is a person who rejects the lie. Who rejects the lie. Now, um, in John's letter, he begins to talk about um, these people who are beginning to teach that Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh. Now, there are things that are said about Jesus in our world, and there are two basic approaches. One is to say that Jesus did come in the flesh and that he was simply a good man, and he taught good things. The problem with that approach is if that's truly who he was, that he was a good man and he taught good things, then why did he allow himself to be killed for no reason? He's either crazy or he's a deceiver. But I want to suggest to you that Jesus came in the flesh as more than just a human being, but as God incarnate to show God's incredible love for us. The other other approach is to say, well, Jesus came, but but he wasn't real. You understand me? Uh, He came as kind of a spiritual thing. Uh, Today we would call him kind of a myth. You know, it's a good story, and it teaches us good moral things, but it's not really true. Now, there's all kinds of problems with that, but the biggest problem is that if Jesus did not come in the flesh, then Jesus does not understand who we really are because he's never been one of us. But God wanted to show his incredible love for us in that he became one of us so that he would understand. You can't say to God, God, you don't understand me. You don't understand my problems. You don't understand my... God says, yes, I do. I was there. I lived it. And so in our world today, and the the real problem with that is if Jesus just came as a good moral teacher or if Jesus just came as a myth, a good story, then what's missing is who then is going to take away our sin that separates us from God, those things we've done wrong. And all the other religions say the way you do that is you be good. And if you're good enough, then God will have to accept you. But the truth of the matter, according to the Scriptures, according to what Jesus taught, is none of us can be good enough. That we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That God demands perfection, not just goodness, but perfection. The other problem with trying to be good enough is then you have to figure out what is good enough. Right? How do you know what is good enough? So if you do 10 good things and two bad things, is that enough? Is it just, or, or does it have to be a certain amount of good? According to Jesus, you have to be perfect. Some of us are close. But none of us make it. 
So then how are you going to deal with that? And Jesus came to show his love and gave himself and died to pay the price for our sin. The scripture says the wages of sin is death. That if, if you've sinned, if you've ever done anything wrong, the only hope is that someone would die and it would either be you or someone else and Jesus decided to die in my place and in your place. And if you'd accept Him into your life, then you'd experience what love is really, really all about. Because He loves you that much that He would die for you. That's the truth. The truth is Jesus. And everything else, every other way to God, every other teaching is a lie. You say, well, that's that's a pretty bold statement, Pastor. It is. And the only way you can make that statement is if you live it and discover the truth in it. And in so doing, you begin to discover how loved you really are. And furthermore, you then become a person of love. Because you begin to follow the way of love, the way of Jesus Christ. Who do you know that's a person of love? Who do you know that is following Jesus? Who do you know that is loving other people? Who do you know that is being faithful to the teaching that Jesus has called us to follow? To truly experience and share that love. Is that person you? It could be this morning. If first of all you'd open your heart to Jesus and allow his love to come into your life. To forgive you of all the things you've ever done wrong. And to set you free to truly love other people. I'm talking about people who are your enemies. People who who persecute you people who don't like you you can actually truly love them and care for them and be concerned about them the interesting thing about the paris thing is you know and a lot of news about paris not much news about beirut where the same kind of things were happening or kenya all at the same time and who do we hear about paris you know why because the media in the united states is concerned about paris not so concerned about the people of beirut and the people of kenya why because they don't make it in our top 10 But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, everyone's in your top ten. You could be a person who loves others. You could be a person who follows Jesus and shares that love with everyone you meet. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for your incredible love for us. Not just a bunch of descriptions, but a love that's active. And we pray, Father, this morning that our love for you would be active, uh, that we would be open to your commands, to your teaching, that we would follow you. We ask, Father, this morning uh, that as we worship you and as we seek your face, uh, you would fill us with that love. We pray especially for those who came this morning who haven't had that relationship with you. We pray this morning that they would open uh, their hearts to you and begin that relationship. Thank you for that day. 
when you began that relationship in me and in us. Uh, Father, we pray this morning that we would be a church um, that's um, truly loving, uh, loving our neighbors, um, loving each other, loving this world. We pray and ask, Lord Jesus, this morning um, that you would help us to be active and not just say we love you, but to respond to you. And in this moment, we take this opportunity to give to you, to, to be self-sacrificing, to give of our finances, but also to give of our lives. To show you and to show the world that we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our love is a action.